1: What is going on, everybody? Welcome to Striking Gold, your 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Network. My name is Rob Lauter. I cover the 49ers for all of you fine folks listening, and we are trudging through the off season. I would say trudging is a is a good word. Just kind of a slow push forward, um, not as intense. As it normally is in 49ers land, I feel like for years and years, it's almost seemed like a weekly tradition, even during the off season, that the 49ers constantly give us something to talk about. And, and while they still have, I, you know, obviously we've got one beyond here if there wasn't anything to talk about. Um, but Hey, and this is a, a little bit of an audio warning. I am actually going about to turn up the volume levels on my microphone. So if, if I, for some reason I was low and you turn your volume way up, uh, get ready to adjust it. Cause I'm turning it up right now. As I speak, I can literally see my sound waves increasing. All right. So hopefully that didn't get ridiculous for you and I didn't just blow out your speakers. If I did, let me know and, uh, and I'll get it taken care of. I've got all kind of connections in the speaker department and now we've officially jumped the shark because I know nothing about speakers. So anyways, now again, the 49ers always find they've just, they just seem like they've been such an interesting franchise for who knows how long. Like, are we going all the way back to the Harbaugh years when things have been interesting? Has there ever been a truly boring year? I mean, you can't have boredom when you were dealing with the Jim, Tom Sula and, and Chip Kelly era, I mean, everything just constantly seemed to be in flux. And even during the the stability of Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch, this team is just constantly given us something to talk about. And right now during this off season, I feel like the topics are just a little less exciting, a little less tumultuous or whatever word you want to throw out there. Wordle people. I think what we should lead off with though is, um, The folks over at 49ers Web Zone, David Bonilla, um, put together a really, really good uh, coaching update tracker. Because the 49ers might have had more coaching turnover than any team in the NFL. They have had a ton of coaches coming and going. And we can run through this real quick. Um, Probably one of the more noteworthy. Obviously, the most noteworthy addition is offensive coordinator Mike McDaniel leaving to become the head coach of the Dolphins. But we've known that one for a little bit. Um, running backs coach Bobby Turner is not expected to be with the team in 2022. He has been a long time staple um, for Kyle Shanahan and and his running back game. And apparently coach uh, Bobby Turner Turner, who is 72, has had a couple surgeries, just wants to give them time to recover and expects to be back with the team next year. Now, again, he is 72. So is this, you know, could he find himself going, well, I think I'd rather just stay retired. Sure. And obviously more power to him. But uh, running backs coach Bobby Turner is not expected to be with the 20, the team in 2022. Now bouncing really quickly over to the additions. The 49ers also hired as you know Detroit Lions offensive coordinator Los Angeles Chargers former head coach Anthony Lynn who played running back for Mike Shanahan um I believe he was also coached by Bobby Turner he's going to kind of take over the run game he, I think he's kind of a, he's an assistant head coach run game coordinator and it wouldn't surprise me if he was also you know really really hands on with the running backs so those two kind of Uh, you know, cancel themselves out. Quarterbacks coach Rick Scandrello. Sorry, I'm just trying to talk too fast. He's going to be the offensive coordinator over at the University of Kentucky. Um, James Betcher, who is the senior defensive assistant and run game specialist. Um, He's headed to become the Bengals linebacker coach. Uh, Zach Yenser, he's going to be the offensive line coach at Kentucky along with Rick Scandrello. Uh, you've got assistant offensive line coach Butch Berry. He is now the Broncos offensive line coach. Uh, obviously, another another noteworthy one was wide receivers coach Wes Welker. He left to take on the same role with the Dolphins. Now, I think a lot of people, when they see that, would be, oh, well, what do you mean? That's kind of a slap in the face for the 49ers. He's not being promoted. He's just making a lateral move. Um, to take on the same role with Mike McDaniel. Well, uh, a lot of Wes Welker's family is from Florida and he has been living away from them for a long time. And this was a chance to obviously work with someone in Mike McDaniel that he knows and get a lot closer to his family. So that move makes all the sense in the world when you look at it from that point. Assistant head coach and tight ends coach Sean Embry. He wasn't retained, he left. He's joining Mike McDaniel's staff in Miami. And he's going to also maintain his role as the tight ends coach. Now there was a little bit of, uh, I mean, I guess there was a little bit of inference in a report that the 49ers releasing of John Embry was somehow racially motivated. Um, and and they made it seem like he was asked to take some slap in the face pay cut, which, I mean, he was asked to take a a, a pay cut, but we ended up kind of, we're, we were able to put the dots together and basically realized that, Embry was asked to be asked to step down as the assistant head coach so they could bring in Anthony Land, and he was, you know, expected to kind of take on the normal salary of a tight ends coach, and he refused to do that. And so he was uh he was released and is gonna do the same thing in Miami. So got a little weird there. I, I'm not sure the 49ers really have any sort of a resume that would indicate that race plays any part negatively and, and, and you just look at their coaching staff so uh, it just seemed a little weird but and you know going back quite a while now the bears obviously now have richard higher high tower as their special teams coordinator the 49ers special teams really struggled this year and you know they kind of got their redemption moment in green bay where they were responsible for essentially all the 49ers points And, you know, that was good to see, but that didn't really change the fact that that unit really struggled all season, one of the worst special teams in the NFL. So that move wasn't wasn't all that surprising. Now, over to the kind of the more positive side of things, we've already talked about Anthony Lynn. He's the assistant head coach, um, and he's going to have a lot to do with the 49ers run game. LSU graduate uh, Asani Rufus, I believe that's how you say it. He's going to move into like kind of like a quality control position, which is really kind of like your entry level position as a coach, Kyle Shanahan's done it himself, I believe, for the Texans. Maybe going back further, um, you kind of come in, you come on as a quality control coach. You're basically an assistant coach, to any position, and and then you work your way up from there. And they can just get to know you, see what you're capable of, see where you would fit, and that's kind of how you get your foot in the door. Um, former Jacksonville Jaguars special teams coordinator. And Nick Sorensen is is coming in as a defensive assistant. Michigan State, Michigan, Michigan, like those are tires. Michigan State graduate, no, Michigan graduate assistant, because Michigan and Michigan State are different, right? Not a huge college, you know, proponent, but you all are out there correcting me. So it's all good. Uh, Steven Edagoki. Adagoki, that's a cool name, uh, is being brought in as a defensive quality control role. So some minor additions there. They haven't really, truly filled some of those bigger spots yet. Um, that's all we know so far. Uh, they did promote some people from within. Offensive quality control coach Brian Flory is now the tight ends coach. Um, he replaces John Embry. Quality control coach Leonard Hankerson is now – has is going to take on the role of wide receivers coach, replacing Wes Walker. So, again, quality control coach becoming the wide receivers coach. That's just kind of the natural progression of things. So let's move along. I mean, that's that's like five minutes of, of coaching changes. But that's what I'm saying. The 49ers just had a massive turnover at on their coaching staff. And that is the reason that Kyle Shanahan is not in uh, Indianapolis right now for the NFL Combine because he is staying back and obviously ushering in all of these new coaches, training them in the ways of the force, and he just can't afford to be at the combine right now, especially when John Lynch is there and the scouting department is there. Does Kyle Shanahan need to be there? Probably not. Would he prefer to be there? Absolutely. But that's just the way it is, especially when you have that kind of turnover. That's what needs to happen. So moving on couple of just i mean <laughs> the the whole tom brady thing was always kind of silly and i gave it its its due diligence on last pod kind of running through all the reasons that it could be a reality and it could be exciting but bruce arians the head coach of the tampa bay buccaneers for the most part completely shot that thing out of the sky he was asked if there was any tra- chance that they would be willing or be open to trading Tom Brady to another team. And he basically said, absolutely not. You know, there's, he said, there's no way Tom Brady, if he came out of retirement would play for anybody else, but our team. And he was kind of, you know, he also said that it would be, it would just be bad business to trade somebody like a Tom Brady. And I, you know, I, I agree as cool as it is to think about, and, you know, he, he kind of was asked, well, come on, boy, if, if a team really pushes, what, what what would it take? And he said five first-round picks. And so it seems like he is essentially, uh, you know, a pending a, a massive change of heart from Bruce Arians and the Tampa Bay ownership and front office. Uh, I think that, you know, and or maybe some public pressure from Tom Brady, you know, if a guy that prominent – started saying, look, like I'm basically being held hostage. I'd like to come back, but I don't want it to be for the Bucks. And and that might bring on its own negative of light in, in the case of Tom Brady. But maybe a little bit of, of of peer of pressure would change that situation a little bit. But for the most part, Bruce Arians has is, uh is pretty much blown that that possibility out of the sky. So I, I it was already a, a long shot and now it seems like and even more of a long shot that Tom Brady will uh, will be ex- coming anywhere near Santa Clara anytime soon. But kind of on to the main story. And I'm not going to call it a non-story because I do believe it's significant and it alters the landscape. But the biggest news of the week and surprising news of the week was Jimmy Garoppolo requiring shoulder surgery on his throwing arm to repair The injury that he sustained during the season. Now, first came Jimmy Garoppolo's thumb injury. And then, I think it was against the Cowboys, he got sacked or tackled, and he already had the thumb injury, and as he was going down, he kind of like didn't push down with his hand or brace himself with his hand because of the thumb injury, landed on his shoulder and injured his shoulder. And so Jimmy Garoppolo played for the rest of the season with an injured thumb and an injured shoulder and an injured shoulder, by the way, that is now requiring surgery. Now, I know that there's going to be a lot of people out there that are like, well, the 49ers have drafted Trey Lance. They're going to trade Jimmy Garoppolo. Jimmy Garoppolo saw one last opportunity to screw over the 49ers and he took it. And I don't think that's the case. If Jimmy Garoppolo needs shoulder surgery, he's going to get shoulder surgery no matter what. And this isn't necessarily a surgery that altogether benefits Garoppolo. Yeah. It throws a wrench into the 49ers plans a little bit, but now you're talking about a surgery that according to Adam Schefter and according to kind of like your, your, your medical prognosis, it's going to take oh about four months to recover from, which is not short. He's basically having a shoulder capsule in the back of his shoulder. Uh, apparently it's a, it's a, It's a common surgery, and he's expected to fully recover and be able to throw absolutely the same as he did before. So do they always say that? It seems like it, but that may be the case. And your shoulder capsule is essentially the the inside of your shoulder. Like uh, from what I was doing, doing my my medical research online, it's kind of like right where the bones kind of come together and where the muscle of your shoulder is also wrapping up and over where your shoulder connects to your arm. So that's like your shoulder capsule, you know, where all of that comes together. I, I obviously, I think it's different than the socket, but I think the capsule's the outside, the socket's the inside. That, that is my extremely non-professional, uh, you know, based on five m- minutes worth of Google Foo um, that I came up with. Now, and, and I know that in the picture, the bustles were kind of wrapping around and grabbing onto the top of the capsule. So that's where they're having, that's what Jim Garoppolo is having surgery on. And it is expected to be a four month recovery. And Adam Schefter kind of mentioned that he should be throwing again around early July, which is, you know, the off season programs technically already started, but it is before kind of that, that training camp starts. So, you know, that's obviously the key deadline is, is, is Jimmy Garoppolo going to be ready for a training camp with another team? And the answer as of right now is yes. So, I mean, that's a big deal. And, and, You know, it really shifts a lot of that control over the situation towards Jimmy Garoppolo and Don Yee, who is his agent. Now, it doesn't absolve the 49ers of all leverage. They still have Jimmy Garoppolo. But other teams know that the 49ers, especially who are uptight against the salary cap, don't want Jimmy Garoppolo on their books when they know they're going with Trey Lance, especially at the cost of 27-ish million dollars. So there's some real kind of give and take some dance going on here Bef- you know, and, and it is, is an NFL team going to trade for a 27, 28 million dollar starting quarterback. That's not going to be able to pass a physical right then. And he's not going to be able to throw the ball hopefully until the beginning of July. You know that, if that doesn't, you know, remove the likelihood of a trade because I'm not ready to say that. I do think the 49ers will still trade Jimmy Garoppolo. But to me, that severely impacts what the 49ers are going to be able to get for him. So, and you got to think too, does Don Yee, Jimmy Garoppolo's agent, and Jimmy Garoppolo, do they want to be released? Do they want to be cut? I assume the answer is yes. If Jimmy Garoppolo is released, and we'll get into this little tidbit here in a little bit, he gets $7.5 million because he's being released with an injury and he can't pass a physical. So he's automatically guaranteed $7.5 million. And then he gets to rehab, you know, not outside of the 49ers facility, be open to taking meetings with any team in the NFL, and he gets to choose his destination, and a destination that's probably going to pay him in the neighborhood of $20 million would be my guess. If you wanted Jimmy Garoppolo for a season or two, that's what I guess it's going to take 25, 20, $25 million. And, and, you know, think of $25 million in terms of where quarterback contracts are going as they evolve. You know, that's $20 million less than like the elite quarterbacks are getting paid. So as, as much money as 20 to 25 million still seems like you got to understand how quickly that quarterback market's moving and how, and how, much that salary is being left in the dust by these crazy ass contracts, which whatever, you know, secure the bag. If if that's what NFL quarterbacks are worth, that's what they're worth. So that you're really kind of just dancing around this situation and all these different aspects that are going into it now. And now Jimmy Garoppolo needing shoulder shoulder surgery just really changes that dynamic. I'm assuming it's impacting the value of Jimmy Garoppolo in other teams' eyes and what they're going to feel like giving up for a player that's you know immediately going to require, by the time they can trade him, about three, three and a half months of, of recovery. And you're just hoping that his shoulder surgery holds up and that he's able to go back to 100%, which, again, in the way it was worded and explained, seems like very, very probable. Like it's almost like it's going to happen. So just another odd turn in this event. And I'm not really in a hurry to fly to one side or the other. Like, oh man, now Jimmy Garoppolo is not getting traded. The 49ers are going to have to cut him. Uh, they're going to, you know, eat $7.5 million. And you know, now Jimmy Garoppolo screwed the 49ers. You thought that relationship was great. It wasn't Jimmy Garoppolo took one last stab, came out on top. I don't really think it's all like that. Like, look, Jimmy Garoppolo played through two major injuries to take the 49ers, uh, very close to another Super Bowl. The 49ers, the, everybody in that locker room, in that front office, they have a lot of respect for Jimmy Garoppolo. They know what he played through. I am not I am not assuming that this, sh- sur- this surgery is as much as a surprise to the 49ers as it is to us. Now, Jimmy Garoppolo, his camp, 49ers we're all hoping that that shoulder surgery would eventually just recover. And apparently it's not Jimmy Garoppolo's not going to sign up for a four month surgery on his shoulder when he knows he's about to become another team's quarterback. If unless he absolutely has to. So it, it's just not that crazy to me. Now I saw a lot being made of the $7.5 million guarantee. If the 49ers were to release Jimmy Garoppolo under this injury, That $7.5 million is not a big deal, and I'm going to tell you why. It's an offset, or it has essentially an offset tag to it. And what that means is the 49ers will be on the hook for that $7.5 million. But now what I don't know is whether it's wiped away this year or that it's not until next year. No matter what, if the 49ers were to release Jimmy Garoppolo, they've instantly saved $20 million, which is a lot of money. And it's a lot of players that it can be responsible for signing. Whether it's this year or next year, not choosing to matter. The moment Jimmy Garoppolo signs for another team, more than $7.5 million, which he absolutely will, without a doubt, the for that, that $7.5 million comes off the 49ers books. Again, I don't know if that takes effect this year or next year. I don't really care. I don't think that's going to be like the difference between the 49ers signing somebody that they really wanted and not signing somebody. If if push really come to shove, they'll make it work. They've got the options of restructuring some contracts out there. So that 7.5 million, it was just being thrown around a lot and it's not a huge deal. It goes away. As soon as Jimmy Garoppolo signs for another team, as long as it's for more than 7.5 million, which it absolutely be will be. So it's not a big deal that, that injury guarantee is just not a big deal. It's not even really a part of the situation. But what is a part of the situation is the fact that the 49ers, uh, what is free agency like 10 days out now? We're coming up on Friday the 4th. Let me, I'm going to look this up right now. I should already know this date. I'm failing you as as I type. Um, beginning free agency date. Okay. March 14th through the 16th. That's when teams are allowed to, that's that grace period where they're allowed to start negotiating with players, even if they're on another team. So you've got 10 days, 11 days from from right when I'm recording this until free agency starts. That is the the crunch time for the 49ers. The 49ers, um, I got it right here. The 49ers, one, have a ton of free agents hitting the market. And, but when it comes to cap space right now, the 49ers are $4.4 million in the hole. They are one of about 10 teams that are backwards in the salary cap. Now, if you think that's bad, if you think the 49ers 4.4 million over the cap is bad, the Rams are 21.6 over the Cowboys are 22.1 over the Packers are $31.9 million over and the Saints leading the way with $42.1 million over the salary cap. So that is some, some nuts, okay? So I don't know the ins and outs of how the 49ers are going to work their way down to that, but uh, Jimmy Garoppolo's contract would go a long way in that regard. So the 49ers are in a hurry to get a trade done, whether it's for a third or a fifth whether it's for a second round pick a third round pick a fourth i'm not sure they care i i think the 49ers really want to get that contract off their books before free agency rolls around so that they can start investing in all of these players that they have hitting the open market and you know obviously some other players that aren't currently on the team but the 49ers have a ton of free agents Right now. And I had the list up. I'm just going to hit back over and over. But I clicked out of it to to bring up those numbers right there. Dang it. I lost it. I'll get to it. But the 49ers have a ton of pending free agents. Some really important players in there. And that's just something the 49ers need to start addressing now. So that they can, you know, retain who they want to retain. And dig into these other players that are hitting the open market. The 49ers are a good team. They have a lot of good players already on this squad. They're going to lose a lot, but they're a good team. And a few key additions can really push this team over the top. And they could be right back to competing for the same championship level you know, success if they if they make free free agency right. And obviously the draft has to go well. But, I mean, you're talking about names like Lakin Tomlinson, who was the starting left guard and played 100% of the snaps. Daniel Brunskill, he's a restricted free agent. So they're going to have to figure out which kind of tag they want to apply to him and how much they're going to kick him this year. Um Josh Norman, not somebody they're worried about losing. Uh Jaquaski Tart, their starting strong safety. Kaywan Williams, their starting nickel cornerback. Uh DJ Jones, one of their, their key cogs on that interior defensive line. Only played 50% of the stats, but was really the 49ers were able, he was really the reason the 49ers were able to kind of move on so well after Javon Kinlaw, their, their former first round pick got hurt. So, you know, it's, it's, uh, there's a lot of names on there that, that really give the 49ers, uh, can give them a little bit of pause. They, there's some names on there they want to keep around. So the sooner they can get that Grovlo contract off their books and start really planning with the money they have, the better, but you know, we'll see what's the market going to be like now that we know that Jimmy Garoppolo is, you know, a middle of the road quarterback that now comes saddled with a shoulder surgery on his throwing arm. That's going to take four months to recover. That is no small thing. So, but I do believe Jimmy Garoppolo still gets traded and I, you know, it's just probably going to be for less now than I was expecting. I think I'd said in the past that I wasn't going to be surprised if Jimmy Garoppolo netted the 49ers, a a second round pick. And now I think maybe a third round pick is like optimistic. Maybe we're talking a fourth or a fifth or maybe something in the future, but the the, the prospect of, of a team really shelling out for, for Jimmy Garoppolo now also may be willing to call the 49ers bluff, hoping that they release him and then they don't have to give up anything. They just got to make sure they outbid everybody else. So it's uh, just an interesting dynamic going on there. And it's, I'm assuming we're going to start seeing movement on that soon. Char Lynch is at the combine with nearly every other NFL GM. So if we are going to hear something, if we're going to get a rumor, if we're going to know, like, you know, we knew that Matt Stafford was traded well before he was allowed to be. Um, So, uh, you know, maybe we'll start hearing something about Jimmy Garoppolo. You know, it's just weird situation there. Weird, weird situation there. Rounding out kind of uh, kind of the news of the week is John Lynch. He was at the Combine. He did an interview at the Combine, a press conference. He also was on Good Morning Football for a little bit. Absolutely phenomenal show. And he also jumped on uh, 49er stock with Matt Mayoko over at NBC Sports Bay Area. And so we have got plenty of, of little tidbits from John Lynch, who was out there kind of just holding it down uh, with the media and the fact that Kyle Shanahan stayed home. And uh, I, I would say the first major thing is that John Lynch did, did admit to. I mean, admit's a bad word, but he did basically admit to the fact that he did go to dinner with Amazon about becoming one of their premier broadcasters. And one of the reports from, I believe it was from Andrew Marchan over at, at the New York Post, basically hinted that John Lynch could have tripled his salary. Now, if you're looking at these contracts like Tony Romo and Troy Aikman, I believe they're pushing. They're like 17, 18, $20 million a year. John Lynch is making right around $5 million. And it it was reported that he could have tripled his salary. And John Lynch in his interview with Matt Mayoko said that he took the meeting with Amazon out of respect. He wanted to listen to them and give them a chance to make their pitch and, and see if they could win him over. And John Lynch went there knowing that he was going to go back to the 49ers. And, when he says that, I believe it because if you put these pieces together, John Lynch is still the GM of the 49ers. And, and it is not being reported that he is leaving for a TV deal. But all everything added up in terms of him taking that that, that meeting with Amazon and and apparently being added offered a salary that was triple what he's making with the 49ers. But he chose to come back to San Francisco, and, and he said going into that interview that that's what he felt like he was going to do, and that does not surprise me at all. And I really, honestly, do do believe John Lynch. And and I was on here, I think I don't remember if it was the last pod or the week before that, saying like, look, look, look at the wording of the way John Lynch, when asked about a possible TV deal, all the way back in their close of the season press conference, John Lynch kind of just basically skirted around the the. And he didn't really skirt around it. He said that. You know, sometimes opportunities come up, but right now I'm committed to this organization. And the way he answered that kind of just said, oh, okay, well, he's, he's listening and he is, he was, and and, and it's come out that he, you know, he took a meeting and went to dinner and, and apparently was offered a very sizable tra- contract and chose to come back to the 49ers. And I believe him. It doesn't surprise me. I mean, if you know anything about John Lynch, if you know, about the words he chooses and the way he speaks and the way he played the game. It doesn't surprise me that that man just feels like he needs to be inside of an NFL building. You know, I mean, he could have, he could have added $10 million a year to his list. And he even said in the interview, like, yeah, of course money's important and that, and that has to be a part of your decision, especially when you're supporting a family, but that's not why I'm here. It's the thrill of, of competing. It's the thrill of winning, You know, the heartbreak of losing and trying to trying to build yourself back up and go get that championship. And and I really do believe that John Lynch yearns for those sorts of things. And, And although he would be making much more money as a TV broadcaster, as we've seen by these other contracts, I think that he would almost feel hollow inside, you know, and. I, and I, and I believe that I I honestly do that. It just, he seems like a guy that just wants that camaraderie of a locker room that wants to be a part of a team and all the effort it takes to build something successful. And John Lynch seems to have basically put his money where his mouth is like, look, I could have had a lot of money as a broadcaster, but I want to be here with you. And that's impressive to me. You know, it's just an impressive thing. I, I don't know. I'm sure there's more details of it. And and maybe it wasn't that cut and dry. Maybe it wasn't just, here's your 15 million. Do you want it or not? And he's like, no, but maybe, but I'm still just based on what we know. I mean, that's, that's impressive that he would, uh, that he would really, especially, you know, after doing it for what, five years, you know, getting almost winning one Super Bowl and almost making it to another, you'd think that. Maybe that would take its toll on a person, and maybe they'd be like, "Ah, we gave it a hell of a run, man. We were right there, so close, you know." And it, it, kind of like Billy Bean at the end of Moneyball, and he's sitting at that table after getting offered a record-breaking deal by the by the Red Sox, and he's like, "You know, I really want to wanted to win here." And uh, pretty Brand saying, "Well, I think you won pretty big, Billy. You know, given what he did with that team and setting the the record for your wins in a, wins in a row and it's kind of like the same thing with John Lynch, I feel like. He's sitting there, he's like, "Man, we real I really wanted to win here." And and he uh, like Billy Bean turned down the offer. Billy Bean uh at the time would have become the most high the highest paid general manager in all of sports. He turned it down to stay with the uh, the Oakland A's and John Lynch was offered a hell of a TV deal it sounds like and he chose to stay with the 49ers. So I'm sure we will probably learn more about that, and maybe it's not that simple. But in the meantime, just I'm going to choose to be impressed with his with his dedication to this team, and I like it. I like it. I love the energy. I love the vibes. Um, and and obviously, John Lynch is out there at the combine, and and he has a job to do. The 49ers are in a good position when it comes to this draft. I know that they traded their first round pick away from Trey Lance, but for Trey Lance. But you got to understand that first round pick is now what, like 28, 29. It's not a high first round pick at all. And this draft is really seems to be devoid of any, you know, the first round is not going to be as exciting as it has been in years past. At least that's the word from the draft analysts out there. It's just, it's not a very top heavy class, but it's apparently very deep which sets itself up for the 49ers very strongly. I believe, you know, the 49ers have their second round pick. I believe they have two third round picks. They did trade. They may only have one third round pick because they did trade another one for, uh, in the Trey Lance trade, you know, they traded a third round pick in addition to the two first rounders for Trey Lance. But they still do have a third round pick no matter what, because of the coaching changes. But I believe they might have two third rounders. Um, because you've got Martin Mayhew you've got there's a and then you got Mike McDaniel, Martin Mayhew, Robert Sala, all of those were netting the 49ers third round picks. So I believe they might have two this year. And, and I, I want to say they have a total of nine picks. Uh, you know, they've got some some comp, some some compensatory picks down there in the back of the 7th round, but the 49ers in a draft that is is supposed to be pretty deep but not very top heavy, the 49ers have quite a few draft picks starting in the second round, then maybe they'll have two in the third round, and they have and they have one in every round after that, and then a, a trio of seventh round comp picks, which you can now trade those, you know, maybe the 49ers could pair those with other picks and move where they want to move, or they can sit there. The 49ers have had some decent success drafting in the late rounds of the draft, and maybe they're pretty confident in what they could get back there. So you know it's it's going to be an, it's still going to be an, I I know that a lot of people will be like oh they don't have a first round pick you know the draft sucks but it's still going to be an interesting draft and there's 49ers are still going to be making a lot of picks and they could very well move around if they want to so i wouldn't i wouldn't really pump the brakes on the draft yet because it's a deep draft uh john lynch said himself that he feels like guys that they might be getting in the third and fourth round maybe that you could have got are the same caliber of players that you were getting in the second and third round of a of, of past draft. So does seem like a deep class, could still be an interesting draft. And obviously with the combine going on right now, uh, the 49ers are still tuned in. They 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 add, the, the key to maintaining a roster as good as the 49ers is to make successful draft picks because you're getting quality players for budget prices. So Uh, this is when John Lynch needs to make his money right here is is really to to build out the depth of this team with players that are capable of, whether in year one or year two or year three, capable of of competing for starting spots. You know, and speaking of starting spots, uh, John Lynch was obviously very complimentary of Trey Lance. Um, you know, that 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 conversation kind of went hand in hand with the Jimmy Garoppolo talk and the fact that the 49ers they're all in on Trey Lance that's it. That's it. And, and, and no ifs, ands, or buts. The 49ers are all in on Trey Lance. The Jimmy Garoppolo situation will work its way out one way or another. But then come come July, when training camp starts, it's going to be the Trey Lance show. And it's and this is his offense. And John Lynch was very complimentary of Trey Lance, said that he, you know, he, Trey Lance has been everything they could have hoped for and more, you know, and, and that's a risky selection, taking Trey Lance when he didn't really play much in his final year of college, played one game, and, uh, and, and it, you know, and then it, it was, it was risky, man. you couldn't really be around these prospects, prospects. You, you got that live workout, but with all the COVID restrictions, it you just couldn't really get a grasp on players uh, nearly as strong as you used to. And the 49ers sound like Trey Lance has impressed, has gone above and beyond what their expectations were, which is good considering their limited kind of sample size of him so far. John Lynch also said that, that, You know, the pieces that surround Trey Lance are what are going to be the key to Trey Lance's success. And obviously one massive piece for Trey Lance is Debo Samuel, who I still just cannot emphasize to you guys enough what Debo Samuel did last year. Like You're talking about a player that we knew was good, but had trouble staying on the field, was his heart really in it, and then he just comes out last season and authors one of the greatest performances we've seen at that position and greatest, most unique. He's he kind of like created a new position in it as he coined it, the wide back. And, and now you're already hearing with this draft class, Oh, this player can really be like a Debo Samuel for us. And you're like, well, maybe can he, can he though? So, you know, Debo Samuel comes out and John Lynch on the point being was, Surrounding Trey Lance, John Lynch said, Look, Debo Samuel and on the other side of the ball, Nick Bosa, they're not going anywhere. Like, we, those are foundational players and they are going to make it work. And obviously, it's going to take time. The salary cap is going to be going up. Both of them are going to get absolutely groundbreaking deals. And it just is what it is. That's money that as a team you love to spend because you know you have a good player and he is yours and you have the right to keep him as long as you pay him the money that he has earned. And, you know, that's a good feeling as a team. Not to mention the fact that you found him. Nick Bosa, was he really that hard to find? I mean, he's the second overall pick. Should have been the first overall pick. And 49ers got lucky. And, of course, but Debo Samuel, you know, the 49ers got him in the second round, and he ended up being one of the absolute best receivers in that draft class. So, And just transcending the position. So, you know, and kind of ending on a positive note, you know, I'll, I'll pair these two together. John Lynch did say that D.J. Jones, he, he didn't he stopped short of saying this per se, but John Lynch essentially said that D.J. Jones had priced himself out of the 49ers market. Uh, D.J. Jones stepped in when Javon Kinlaw went down, had to have season-ending knee surgery. D.J. Jones stepped in and was truly an anchor in the center of that defensive line. And and John Lynch basically said, like, hey, if, D, if D.J. Jones wanted to remain with the 49ers, uh, he he made it really hard for that to happen because of the way he played. So the 49ers are are probably – it sounds like they're going to lose DJ Jones. Uh, I'm assuming a team that is in need of an interior defensive lineman that has money to spend will pretty easily be able to outbid on the 49ers. But on the other side of the coin, uh, John Lynch did say that everything was looking up with Javon Kinlaw. He said he had, no longer has pain in that knee and – He's going to be fully ready to go for training camp for the off season program, and I mean that's that's a huge deal. Now is he is it going to stay healthy? Is he going to be on a pitch count? I'm assuming he's definitely going to be on a pinch count even during the off season. But the trick, you know, with Kenlaw, like we saw, was it, it, that he has to stay healthy, and and he that pain needs to stay away for him to stay on the field. I mean he's in that he's in that DeForest Buckner type position where. He has to play a lot of snaps and he has to be in there holding it down. Now, at the same time, maybe there will be a little bit of movement there because the big savior of, of truly, you know, obviously DJ Jones steps in there and he's, he's a huge part of that depth. But as we know, the big savior in regards to the changes made after Javon Kinlaw's injury was Eric Armstead and Eric Armstead played so good on the interior of that defensive line that I Oh, man, I would be surprised if the 49ers were willing to move him off of there. So we'll see what they do with 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 uh, Javon Kinlaw and how and where he's going to play. Because because Eric Armstead took his spot and, and played so well that maybe the 49ers are willing to experiment with Javon Kinlaw more as a defensive end. I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. That's a good problem to have, though. Good players figuring out where to play them. That's a good thing. So. I mean, I guess I thought that was where we were going to be finished, but I did notice – you know what? No, we got two more things. One, uh, the 49ers have been in contact with running back Raheem Mostert and his agent, and, you know, obviously I'm a little biased. I consider Raheem a friend. Played a lot of uh, video games with him. Talk with him every now and then. Um, he's doing well. Family's doing well. Uh, and I hope he remains with the 49ers. But, you know, we'll see. Uh, you know, it's a little difficult. He's coming off an injury. There's going to be other teams that are interested in him. Truly one of the best running backs in the NFL when healthy. So we'll see what goes on with Raheem. And then probably the, the best thing to leave us off for today's pod is uh, John Lynch and Mike McDaniel, now head coach of the Miami Dolphins. Mike McDaniel, uh, they were interviewing at the Combine right around the same time. And Mike McDaniel, when he finished... His interview, he walked over and just stood off to the side of John Lynch's interview. There's video of this on Twitter. And Mike McDaniel's standing there. And then John Lynch is asked about Mike McDaniel as he's standing there listening on. And the camera's just focused on Mike McDaniel and his reaction to John Lynch. And John, you can hear John Lynch saying, you know, Mike McDaniel is a special person. And that's not even, you know... As well as a special coach on the field, and you can, Mike McDaniel just goes, uh, "Hell yeah, John!" and throws his hand up in the air, and then you can tell—you it's not on the camera—but you can tell John Lynch looks over and he's like, "Oh, hey, Mike, I didn't even know you were there," and he's like, "Hey, I wasn't going to interrupt that," and and then basically says, "You know, I appreciate it, and and I'll get out of here." And it it was just such a wholesome moment, man. And, and in that moment, you can really see why teams would fall in love with somebody like Mike McDaniel, you know, including the 49ers and Kyle Shanahan and the fact that he's been his right-hand man all that time. Mike McDaniel just seems like an absolutely genuine person. And, And I couldn't, I've heard so many things about how much he truly knows about the game, but just watching that video, it just seems it's just so wholesome, man. And it's so good to see. It was just such a positive moment, fills your heart with a little bit of warmth. So if you haven't seen it, check it out. It's a pretty awesome moment. I believe I retweeted it on my timeline and I want to get you the name of the, yeah, it was, it was Kevin Clark, I believe of the ringer. Yep. Of the ringer. And, uh, and he tweeted that video out it's just, it's just a great video. So go check it out. Kevin Clark, um, uh, at by Kevin Clark, and it should be relatively high up on his, uh, on his list of tweets. You just have to scroll down and see these until you see the video of, of Mike McDaniel standing there and, uh, the, Check it out. It's just, it's great. You just have to see it. You'll appreciate it. You'll love it. It's very, it'll make you smile. I promise, but Hey, that's it for another pod. Another week. It's Thursday evening. You'll get this on Friday morning and we're wrapping up another week. And and hopefully the 49ers give us something else to talk about next week. If not, we'll probably start touching on, you know, the, the, the it'll be right before free agency. So we'll start touching on free agency. We'll start touching on which players are headed out the door for the 49ers, which players the 49ers should bring back um what players out there should the 49ers pursue well uh next episode we'll really get into the nitty-gritty i'll see if i can get a, a guest on here for you guys and and we'll work through it and then get a little uh free agency primer going on and, and that will be exciting and that will be exciting because uh free agency is always exciting man let's go uh we're moving along the nfl has perfected the art of, of always keeping us on the hook for something but hey Appreciate everybody listening right now. Thank you for supporting Striking Gold. Uh, got a lot of stuff in the works, man. We're not resting on our laurels. We're gonna uh, now a goal is to is to approach next season in the off season program with a new co host on Striking Gold. So we're working through it. Got some things in the mix, and and I'll keep you up in the loop as we roll. But in the meantime, thank you for supporting me. Thank you for supporting the podcast. Thank you for supporting Blue Wire. And uh, as you know, this podcast was started by uh, Kevin Jones, who now is the founder and ceo of blue wire and uh this this and when i say this this podcast i mean like this individual podcast striking gold used to be the kevin jones podcast and now it is is striking gold me but but kevin started it all so so appreciate the support from everybody who's even been around all going all the way back then so thank you for everybody who listened to the pod i hope you have a uh let's just say friday You know, because that's when you should be hearing this. I hope you have a good Friday. But if you're listening to this later on in the week, maybe a Saturday, Sunday, Monday, well, you're waiting a little too long to catch the episode at that point. But no matter when you're listening to this, I appreciate it. For another episode, I'm Rob. This is Striking Gold, and we are signing out.